The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. everybody, welcome to episode 143 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name is Kyle. My name is Corey. And my name is Carlos. There's no Michelle. No Michelle, guys. Michelle is uh, under the weather this week, so we will catch up with her uh, soon. At worst, it'll be next week in episode 144. But uh, Michelle, we hope you're feeling better. And, uh, yeah, well, soon, Michelle. Yeah, those damn migraines, man. Debilitating. All right, so guys, how y'all doing? Really good. Good weekend. Got a yeah. lot done. Yeah, some fun, uh, fun stuff happening. I can't complain at all, man. I think, uh, Jesus, the, the weather's just been super gorgeous. Like summer's still on out here. Luckily, like out west, it seems to be snowing and stuff. So, <laughs> sorry, nerd room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I went to go see some friends this weekend. Like it was nice, man. My my buddy's got a heated pool. Took my kid, went swimming at night. Anyhow, it was it was great, man. And then last night we ha- had a little happy accident. We're in, you know, at home with my a, son. A, a Bob Ross happy accident, or you're on the hook for 18 years now. Happy accident. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's pretty sweet, man. Like I busted out uh, one of my. Hey, that's how it starts. Boxes. Busted out, Corey. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I went, in, I went into the uh, some boxes and got out some uh, some movies that I was like, okay, like I'm gonna watch something cool with my kid. So I, what did I grab? I grabbed Willow, uh, The Dark Crystal, and 1989 Batman. And what do you think he chose? 1989 Batman. Willow. Hell yeah. No, he chose <laughs> Batman. And then I kind of remembered halfway through watching the film, I was like, oh shit, it's Batman Day. I'm like this is sweet. I'm like. Like give double props to my boy, man. It was super fun. Anyway, I loved it. it was, I haven't seen that movie in God, I don't know, maybe about ten years, at least. Oh yeah, and yeah. Good times, good times. Yeah, we, we're we're lucky here as we sit here in the, uh, the east coast of Canada or eastern Canada. A bonus summer weekend, which you know the temperatures were up in the what, upper eighties, thirty degrees for us here in the. Uh, Land of metric systems. It was just gorgeous. And I, I was stuck uh, stacking wood. <laughs> that, was, that was my Saturday. Cords of wood. Cords and Did cords you get any splinters? of wood. No. Too Not bad. at all. I was doing it in, in flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. Um, luckily, I didn't drop any any wood on my feet. Otherwise, uh, you'd have something to laugh at today. But no, I'm, I'm uh, wound-free, thankfully. But yeah, man, I was I was just soaking through my shirt, and I was also a little a, a touch under the weather. We we had a little bit of a stomach bug making its way through our house, so we were all kind of a little bit uh, indisposed, a little weaker this weekend because of it. But uh, didn't really uh, throw off the fact that we had one nice weekend left here because the, the temperature is about to fall off the table here. By by the next time we convene for for episode one forty four, 
It's going to be chilly. It's going to feel like fall. Yay! We're done, guys. You can all get your pumpkin spice lattes out. Oh. <laughs> is, there, is there anything worse than a pumpkin spice latte? Or just pumpkin spice anything now? Pumpkin pumpkin I, is ruined for me. I like pumpkin spice. Oh, God. You would. Pumpkin spice whores! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do we have any collecting updates this week? No, we're good. Uh, I saw that uh, Tim at the Nerd Room picked up a, a the uh, X-Wing uh, after our discussion last week of the um, the uh, the Tumbling Nerd Room slash Star Wars Commonwealth collecting show. Uh, so he picked up the uh, the X-Wing, and uh, I ordered mine and still didn't get it. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm angry. I'm not angry. I got Enjoy, it, Tim. Yeah, so a little no, nothing. Oh, you got something? Yeah, yeah. I figured why not. There, I was out at Walmart, and I just don't see too many of them anymore. And I was like, like, yeah, I guess they're kind of around EB Games and stuff. But I said, you know what? I have the crew, like the whole Ghost crew already. So I saw the uh, actually at your local Walmart, they had the uh, fifth brother and seventh sister Inquisitors. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's uh, let's just round that out a bit more. Still love that series so much. So, yeah, I'm officially in a slump. Uh, nothing for me this week. Nothing I really wanted. Nothing I saw. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm still basking in the glow of our good old chinwag about collecting from with uh, the tumbling nerd room, which which is I, a lot of people heard that in the uh, powerful friends Patreon feed. And if the rest of you want to hear that, then it was a, a really fun and awesome podcast. Uh, check it out on our Patreon feed. It's uh, yeah. You know, patreon.com slash tumbling saber. If you sign up, you will hear that. And otherwise, hang out, hang out for a couple weeks, and uh, it'll a whittled down version will make its way into the main feed in a, uh, in the near future. All right, so uh, let's let's do the news here. And this week, not a ton to talk about, but uh, we got a new video. We are treated to a new video um, from Resistance. Did you guys catch that video? Oh yeah, that was great. Mm, so it sounds like uh, the excitement level's picking up. Like, what, Carlos? What jumped out at you that that you hadn't uh, seen before, heard before? What's it, what's this video doing for you? Um, I don't know if it really boosted my excitement level. Like, I, I'm I'm still like it hasn't sold me more. I'm still uh, quite uh, interested in it. It is funny that one of the characters, uh, I don't know the characters' names yet, but um, except for Donald Faison's yeah, character. That was, that was so good. <laughs> it was Faison, which is awesome. But uh, other than that, um, there was one of the characters who reminded me of uh, of Dave from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Dave. And... Um, I don't know. I was, uh, I kind of got like, I, I had to shake my head. I'm like, no, Star Wars, Star Wars. But uh, other than that, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm I, it, the excitement level is the same. It didn't, it didn't grow or diminish at all. It's just nice to, nice to see a little bit more about the actual, uh, the pilots and what we're gonna see going forward with the show. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested, intrigued. Yes, yes. Not more so or less than I was before, but uh, 
you know, nice, uh, nice little surprise to see that uh, little, uh, that little. What, what do you call it? A teaser trailer or a, a, a featurette? Yeah, vignette, featurette, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely nice to get to, to put some more names to faces and, and hear a little bit more about them. Corey, what jumps out at you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, first and foremost, the animation. A lot of people were kind of knocking on it, but seeing it a little more live here, I'm a lot more intrigued because it, it was like eye candy a bit, man. Like that racing with the colors looked pretty spot on. The name of the group as well, the Aces, really seems cool to me. The best of the best. And what I really like about how they spelt this out for us is that they're kind of like hired help who doesn't really want to be there. They're like the best of the best. So like they're kind of like hired protection, you know, like. So I always found I thought that was pretty interesting. I didn't know it was going to go down that route necessarily. Like and on their spare time, they're racing. So it's got a lot of potential for cool stories and uh, character based stories as well. Like it seems like we're really going to get to know this. The aces, if you will. And uh, like uh, Carlos had said, Donald Faison with that character. His character name is Hype Faison. And Filoni had said straight up, it's the first time we ever really based the character around an actor. And just kind of let him be himself in a way. It's very weird seeing a roadie and speak English or basic as it were. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was cool though. Like it worked, but I, I like the hype part. Cause he was such a big, he's such a big star Wars fan. And then phase on like same name. Like it's pretty, it's like when he heard the name himself, he was like, what? And two, I, I, we'd gotten the initial cast report a couple of months ago, I guess, you know, and I, I don't recall Steven Stanton's name being on it. And it looks like he's like front and center with this character named Griff, who, I don't know, I'm kind of into it. You know, he's a bit of a, he's an old ex-imperial. I thought that was kind of a cool take. Then we saw someone from Plo Koon's race, like a Keldor, I believe. Yeah. He looks, give me that all, that, his all ship day, looks yeah. crazy. That's, he's the one with the configurable ship, right? It looks like it. Yeah. He looks pretty rad. I'm excited to see him. Um, one thing that's, you know, jumped out at me story-wise is, is since Kazuda, um, he's, he's sort of tasked with sniffing out first order sympathizers on that station. And I, I wonder if they're going to go to a place where, uh, you know, Kazuda and Tora are having these sparks of a relationship together and she turns out to be that spy. I wonder if they would go that, that, you know what I mean? Like, would they go to that place in this show? I don't know. Because I don't think it's going to be some random. I think whoever the, the, the spy is, it's going to be somebody pretty close to the core of the sh- of the show. Yeah, I don't know if they'll get so much into like love relationships and stuff, but who knows? Maybe. But they do seem to like reiterate in this vignette, like you said, like that it is really aimed toward kids. But at the same time, like watching it, I was like, I'm, I can lose myself in this right away. Like, like the racing seems so. Uh... I don't know, just cool to watch, you know, well, just flying those ships. And... Yeah, it's one of the things that jumped out at me that got my excitement level up it, significantly for the show is watching the racing. And it just it looks so fluid and so fast, like the, the camera angles they, they've chosen, uh, just the fluidity of of the, the ships. You know, they, they really seem to have captured a sense of speed. And I, I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. Uh, but did you guys see? A shot in the video, it looked to me like Kylo Ren's shuttle. Ooh, you didn't, didn't, you didn't notice that? I put it on the, on the Facebook page. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. 
it looks a hell of a lot like a shuttle. Now, I, I don't expect it to be. It's it's clearly the same model. But I don't know if uh, old Ben Solo is going to make an appearance in this show. That would be that would be something. I don't know. I kind of see Ben Solo wanting to have a a one of one kind of ship. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I do know what you mean. Here, I'm going to pop the picture into the uh, into the chat here so you guys can see what I was talking about. But it, it's it's definitely the same model. Yeah. Anyway, so that's this show is coming out. It's 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 really right around the corner when you think about it. It's a month away, less than that. Still don't know what our what our situation is in Canada. Hopefully, that means we're gonna get it at the same time as everybody else. But I'm I'm excited. My my excitement went from well, tepid to yeah okay I'm in to like all right let's let's get this already. I'm excited. I want I want to see more of this. I agree. It definitely boosts my uh my energy level for it as well. Yeah. And you, you, Corey, you had mentioned Steven Stanton's character. I think he's like the obvious red herring when they say, when they say, you know, they're looking for first order sympathizers on the station. Well, mm-hmm. it, it must be the old Imperial guy. I bet you he's not at all. Hey, he's going to be a softie at heart. I bet. Yeah. I feel like he's going to be like the, uh, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. The empire is my old life. Just, I would just, I just want to get paid. That's I th- I feel like that's what he's gonna be, and even though we're gonna be led to suspect that it's it's obviously the first order guy or the old imperial, I don't think it'll be that. But it's, it it sets up an interesting dynamic between him and uh, Scott Lawrence's character, who's an old rebel. Uh, I don't know if he's a leader or old rebel pilot, but there's a cool little dynamic there that they could weave into the show. Old enemies, you know what I mean? Oh man, I didn't take it down. What, what was the girl's name? Again, like the first girl we see, Tora has the cat. Tora, yeah, like even her at one point, she's saying like, like you see the racing at a point, like it's almost like you know, it's like do or die kind of. Like she says, like no one survives who races against me, and she's like all proud of that fact. And you're like, whoa, and you see like that uh, Griff guy at one point, like he's like nailing someone else, like in the middle of a race, you know? Well, yeah. maybe I presume it's a race, anyhow. So you guys saw that image I popped in the chat. I did. That's definitely Kylo's ship. Yeah, you think? Or or the yep. same model, right? Definitely the same shuttle, yeah. So I, I don't know if I expect Kylo Ren to hop off that ship. That'd be something else if he did, but it's definitely the same type of ship with the, with the wings that fold up. Very well could be. One of the worst Lego-designed ships <laughs> ever. Oh, yeah? Not, uh, a, fun, yeah. not a fun build? Well, I don't know. I didn't build it, but uh, from all the reviews uh, and stuff, yeah, it's, it was pretty brutal. That's pretty cool. Hey, Carlos, did you? Did, I don't know if you saw this anywhere online this week, but uh, Me Undies has a Star Wars tie-in. I know. I just, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I still get the emails and boop, uh, boop, boop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Um. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Um, no, it was great. I, I saw them and I'm like, uh, oh, glow in the dark, uh, Star Wars underwear. And then I'm like, uh, no, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I don't need them right now. <laughs> ah, that, you say that now. I'll, I'll let you know once once I feel them. Oh, you you ordered them? <laughs> <laughs> not not yet, but I I really want to. 
Use my code. Use my. <laughs> I will. Use absolutely. Yes, Send use me your code. code. I, I will, I'll, I'll get you. I'll have me on these kick you over a couple bucks. Nice. Perfect. That works well. <laughs> I have. A, I, I, they're they're amazing underwear. Oh, they really are. They really are. That's all I wear. Oh, when lucky I, when guy, I, man. I'm like the most interesting man in the world. When I choose to wear undies, I wear me undies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a smart call, man. Like they they are really they really are the best. Uh, okay, <laughs> this is not a, into this is not a paid advertisement for me undies. Yeah, we are Just, not sponsored by me undies yet. Yet. All right, let's let, let's jump over to Revenge of the Sith. So Ian McDermott says Order sixty six was toned down for Revenge of the Sith. And he's quoted as saying, I think it was a little more gruesome than you ended up seeing. A lot of young potential Jedi ended up on the cutting room floor. So with that comment, I ask you guys, did George Lucas get Order 66 right? Did we see a proper presentation of Order 66, Corey? Yeah, we we got the gist of it, right? Um, I mean, we saw enough there. We saw the temple. We saw Plo Koon. Shaq T, those all kind of hurt. But even at that level, not so much. Like they were kind of just Jedi to us at that point. Uh, could have, I guess, been a little darker. And the approach I say to that is more from a clone standpoint. Uh, like in the movies, we kind of look at uh, the clones and we see Django's face, smug face, uh, face there, right? You know? Like in the movies, I can't say there was a time where I was like, oh, yeah, go clones. You know, like I always kind of knew like you guys are going to kill the Jedi, you bastardos. But uh, having watched the Clone Wars after, like now I got this whole different take and view on them. You know what I mean? Like I love the clones and their dynamic and their relationship with the Jedi. So I think that was a bit of a mistake there with the whole Order 66 things. It could have been a lot more complex from that take but from a darkness factor yeah like i think they kind of did what they need to do again with the, te- the temple set it kind of all and you saw jedi across the galaxy getting gunned down that's all we really needed we didn't need a, a blood fest for it yeah yeah i mean but if you count obi-wan and yoda we see 11 jedi who are either killed or attempted to be killed I mean, that, that's a pretty sweeping little, uh, I guess, montage there for that. Carlos, what do you think? Did they did they hit the right tone? Uh, I'm usually uh, very quick to uh, throw George Lucas under the bus, but uh, this isn't one of those times. Uh, I think it was well done. I think, as you said, the montage of the whole Order 66, I, I it really... I think it played well for me and it makes you sad enough to know like, oh no, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's coming and it comes and it doesn't, it doesn't overwhelm um, in, in the wrong way. It really, uh, it really gets the point across like Corey said uh, without having to be too gory, which I think Corey also said. And um, I kind of, I kind of like it. It's better to be left wanting more than not enough. And I yes. think they just the right balance of leaving you wanting to see more and having seen enough. Yeah. Cause I mean, the whole thing starts with 
the duel, right? Where the, where the Jedi go to arrest Palpatine and he takes out three of them within the blink of an eye, which I think that part kind of sucks because three Jedi just went down like dominoes. I thought yeah, that but was that terrible. That wasn't Order 66, though. That was no, just right. Palpatine just reveling and in, in, in shedding his, his, his mask and just be, being the Sith that he wants to be. Yeah, I like that, actually. No, you're uh, abso- absolutely right. But I, I, I kind of count the whole thing, like the whole end of the Jedi, starting with, with, uh, with Palpatine's arrest or attempted arrest. <laughs> it didn't get, go very far or go very well. But yeah, Kit Fisto and Sacy Tin, gone. Egan Ag- Kolar, gone. Then Mace Windu, dismembered and barbecued. <laughs> like all, all that, that whole thing. Like, I thought it was paced pretty well. You know, the, the, the assault on the Jedi Temple, and then you kind of cap it all off with, uh, is it Je- uh, Zet or Jet Zukasa? Jukasa? The kid, the kid, the Padawan played by George, George Lucas's son. Yeah. Yeah. He gets gunned down with Bail Organa as a witness. And that's sort of like the exclamation point on it where he, we didn't get to see the kids, the younglings slaughtered. But you do get to see a younger Padawan sort of taken down. So that's that's going pretty far, man. I, I think Lucas did a good job. You know, there's a good deal of carnage for the Jedi there. and um, but, but does this... I'm sure there are people who would have wanted more grim, more violence. But does that make the case for for director's cuts in Star Wars? Like, should there should there be like the typical cut, and then oh hey, we have this harsher, grittier, more violent, and darker cut with more Jedi being taken out, and it's it's more gruesome. Is that sort of a a valid take in this situation? Uh, again I, I just don't think we need gruesome to a degree in star wars you know i'm like you see someone get decapitated like there's never any blood like it's cauterized right away but at the same time it's super traumatizing like we didn't need that like you don't need to see especially like alien like phosphorescent fluorescent blood like spattered everywhere like they did it uh i, I like what the way it was done the way it is yeah, I mean, they had to fight to get it. Well, I don't know if they had to fight, but they, they you want to keep Star Wars movies no more than PG-13, which is... Oh, big time. Yeah, I mean, Revenge of the Sith was the first Star Wars movie to get that rating. I, I don't know that you want to go any further than that. What's your, what's your take, Carlos? Um, Look, the, the, the glutton in me says, give me more. Show me every single Jedi that was ever killed. Uh, just because that would mean more Star Wars. But I think in the grand scheme of uh, the, the the movie-making process uh, involving the grand scheme of Order 66, I think, honestly, I really think it was, it was well done. Everything that happens after Mace Windu uh gets thrown out of the window and yeah what am i done like that whole thing (laughs) like everything after that point is is really good yeah it it, well for me anyway it was every everyone is a little bit of a gut punch you know seeing seeing, seeing plocoon go down in in retrospect to having watched the clone wars and getting to know him a lot better watching him get shot down now sucks 
And seeing Ayla Sakura, she gets gunned down like from behind. It's it's terrible. And Kieti Mundi and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it sucks. That, that's man. what I was that's what I was saying kind of before too. Like you see it in the movie and you're like, oh man, poor Jedi. That that blows. But when you watch the Clone Wars and you rewatch that, you're like, Bloco, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, I love that guy, man. His voice is so goddamn cool. Yeah, he's pretty rad. All right, so I guess, well, I, I thought I would pick at that scab and see if I could get somebody to uh, spit out a spicy take, but uh, not really. You guys are on, on, on the money tonight. Usually. Usually it doesn't happen, but, you know, so every now and then we catch lightning in a bottle. But it is not <laughs> this day. No, no lightning was had this day. <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, skip ahead here to uh, John Kasdan lifting up the curtain and letting us into uh, into his mind. He dropped 50-something random tidbits about the production of Solo, which I, I love this kind of thing. I love getting insights on the making of. I, do, you, do you guys dig this kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, more or less. A lot of it was... I mean, well, we could talk about it like when we get into it, but yeah, I think it's it's cool in theory. Yeah, well, I like the, the the references to like certain things or the inspirations they draw from. Like, I always find that stuff kind of interesting. Like the homages to. Yeah, like yeah, I, I feel like reading a list of that length is almost like watching uh, SNL, where it's like you're 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 waiting for the really good stuff. You're gonna go through a bunch of crap. And some stuff that really don't care too much about. It's nice and all, but it's not not quite uh, what I'm looking for. And then you get some really cool stuff, which is like, wow, that that's awesome. So with that in mind, let's pick a couple of those things that we do find awesome, and then let, let's bat them around for a bit. Uh, Carlos, did something jump out at you? Uh, the thing that jumped out at me the most was uh, point number seven, the speeder chase uh, with the um, the Tie Fighter cockpits rolling down. Like giant bowling balls, yeah. And uh, Han and the Moloch speeder, like dodging them. Uh, he says he'd wish he'd keep that, but then that reminds me too much of uh, the Gungans, uh, where they're holding their, uh, you know, those uh, bloop bloop those balls there. The, the boomers. Yeah, the boomers exactly. And like when uh, one of the um, the tailgates of one of their ships opened up, and then the the boomers just started rolling down. Like, that's the image I got when I read that, and I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> so, reading that, I got Indiana Jones. Me too. Yeah, but there's, that's another Lucas thing. Yeah. That's that, it. Like, and, it, it looked like, like an Oma, like a little inside joke there. There's yeah, a, there's, there's at least jokes one in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> there's at least one <laughs> other indie reference in here that I saw. So, I wonder if they, they didn't mention it here in point number five, but I wonder if that was sort of. Um, Another homage to to old uh, Indiana Jones stuff. I wonder, but I would have liked to have seen that. I think that could have been a cool sequence, but alas, it, it is not to be. Corey, something to jump out at you? Well, just like what he said about Sandy Newton and the death of Val, and it kind of being a cheat to the character. Like a lot of people said that there was kind of a bit of an uproar in that regard too. You know, to give her such a minimal role. But, you know, in the long run, it was her decision to do it. No one twisted her arm. Like, this, her this agent obviously put her up for the role. Point seventeen, right? 
Uh, yeah, I just wrote them down earlier, but I didn't take the numbers down. But uh, anyway, it does make sense to me. You know, like I, I adored her on screen. She was a scene stealer and her character just seems so interesting, you know. So, yes, to have more of her would have been great. And uh, it does seem like a bit of a waste. But at the same time, you know, I'm glad she still did it, you know, like it leaves us yearning for more. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'll read I'll read point 17 here because it, it is on my list. And it's also something that uh, uh, Kigo thought was interesting. So I'll give this we'll give this one a little more time. So in retrospect, Tandy Newton may have act, may actually have been too good and too interesting as Val. It was always in the design of the story that Beckett would lose his trusted crew members during the conveyex job gone wrong and be forced to rely on newbies Han and Chewie. And this would also open the door for Lando, Kira, and L3 to join the crew. But Tandy is so compelling to watch that the death of her character feels like uh, a little like a cheat. It's an odd and unexpected problem that comes from working with such amazing, compelling actors in the Star Wars universe. You just want more of them. So I, yeah, I that she she was a magnetic. I I really wish. A lot of people say we're saying that maybe. Instead, what Star Wars could have done is flipped it and killed Beckett and let Tandy be Han's mentor, which I think would have been rad. It, True, would, have, yeah. it would have totally worked. <laughs> yeah, but then it's harder to forgive Han for killing her True. Than, it, than it would be for killing Beckett. Yeah, it kind of changes the whole thing, right? It still could could have worked, but it, it changes the the movie that we eventually got. But yeah, she was just, she was just so good. And I wonder if John Kasdan always felt this way, or if this is sort of him um, bouncing back off off fandom who have a lot of gripes, and I, I include myself among that group that that felt like uh, Tandy's character was killed off too soon, and those criticisms are reaching in his ears, and then out comes this point that yeah, you know what, she was just too good. I, I wonder, but yeah, this this one really jumped out at me for sure. Another one that jumped out at me was number five. Uh, in early drafts of the script, there was no speeder chase. Uh, this was something C&P, which is, uh, I guess, Chris and Phil, Lord and Miller. And uh, they all felt we needed to see Han's skill behind the yoke and that it could pay off later in the Kessel Run. Lawrence Kazan, much more focused on the Dickensian element, was more passionate about the two uh, about the foot chase and the deleted eel barrel scene, which is included in the extras. Like, I, I can't imagine this movie and Han Solo. Uh, how does this, how does it work if we don't get a sense of his his skill behind the wheel of some kind of vehicle at some point in the movie before before the Kessel Run? Like, it wouldn't work. I I know we go into this movie already knowing he's a great pilot, but man, oh man, like. We needed that speeder chase, didn't we? I liked it. Well, we see him again on the conveyance thing too, taking over from Rio. But yeah, we definitely. Uh, the, well, supposedly we're going to get that barrel, eel barrel thing too in the deleted scenes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be able to judge. But uh, I'm kind of on the same page as uh, with what got put into the film. I don't know. I the the, the speeder chase uh, kind of reminded me a little too much of. Um, Back to the Future. The Libyan chase? <laughs> no, not so much the Libyan chase, but uh, just um, 
Biff uh, barreling down on Marty on his little skateboard. <laughs> like I just, you know, I, I kind of got that feeling by it, but um, it it was a it was a good season. wasn't It wasn't terrible. So yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, anything else for you guys jumping out? Number nineteen really oh, jumps out yeah, at me. Yes, that is next Rich. on my list. Yeah, Kira casually references uh, an Athorian antiquities dealer named Doc Ondar. And uh, he says, to remember that name, you'll see it again someday. So uh, when? When? When are we going to see it? Yep. On Solo Part 2? Are we going to see it in Episode 9? Why would you do this to me, you piece? Well, we're all thinking the same thing, right? Antiquities episode- dealer? What is? Come on, we're all, we're all thinking the same thing. Uh, Indiana Jones? This 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 has got to be the guy that had Luke's lightsaber. Ooh, hmm, hmm, that's pretty cool. Maz Kanata's partner, maybe. Hmm, maybe. Well, there's too much time now between now and episode nine. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> yeah, it definitely jumped out at me too, though. Like, like, does that kind of indicating like we'll see him again in? the saga or like another standalone they have planned or in comics like nah <laughs> what about uh i don't have the number here but the whole uh leia as bush kind of inspired by han doing what he did with the rock and the thermal detonator oh yeah because <laughs> of course he bragged to her right i don't think he bragged to her like, of course I, he did well, to me, it more says that he told the the whole tale of he was like straight up with what happened with him and Kira. You think so? I don't know. I kind of got that that I that impression. Anyhow, they spoke like I think it was even written. They spoke about Kira. Yeah, they did somewhere. I'm trying to find that point for you. So yeah, number four. Of course, Han told Leia the story. Of course, is capitalized. <laughs> of course, Han told Leia the story of how he and Kira broke out of the den of the white worms, and that's what gave Leia the idea to pull a real thermal detonator when disguised as the bounty hunter Bush in Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. And for anyone who feels that maybe didn't need to be explained, you're crazy. It had to be explained. <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm sure. Yes, of course, Han bragged about that. Um, finally here, Kigo, one more point that he brought up, number 47. In many drafts of the script, here on the piece, it said Erephus, number two. Yeah, I think it's Emphis. I think they just... Yeah, there was a lot of spelling mistakes, actually, in this article. Yes. Uh, yeah, in many... So we were, we were using, uh, the Slash film sort of, uh, transcript of, of these 53 points. So in many drafts of the script, I'm going to go with Enfys number two, was the mercenary Bosk who abandoned her at the end of the movie, her being Enfys Nest, as he is truly a soldier of fortune. This was another thing I fought long and hard to keep, but was ultimately overruled. Damn it. That was on my list too. No, I don't know. I like that they didn't because it feels like a shoehorn too much. We already got a great character. Yeah, we already got a great character in Enfys Nest. Like why? Why? No need why to take away o- from that. Exactly. Why take yeah, away you're, from you're that? Yeah, you're right. Perfect. You're right. That that unmasking was glorious. Yeah, you know what, what? What old school fans like us would have done? Like, 
Yeah, Infosnet's great. Did you see Bosk? Yeah, but exactly. we got this new character. Yeah, I know we got a new character. She's cool. Bosk. Bosk, Bosk, Bosk. And he had shoes. This time he had shoes. <laughs> they were Jordans. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, 33? I, would, I would like to see Bosk. I, I will say that. I don't know if that's yeah. something I would have wanted to see in Solo. I want to see him do something, not just be there just yeah, for yeah, the yeah. sake of being there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. I hope he's in like a crew. Like, oh man, again, I'm I'm still watching the Clone Wars like almost daily, and he's in quite a few episodes there. And man, get him in in a crew of bounty hunters together, make that movie. So you know what? What would have made him? What would have made it cool in Solo if if he was there was to see, uh, Bosk and Chewie, in the same place at the same time. Yeah, that'd be that, a good that fight. Could, that could have led some sparks, but uh, yeah, no, I I think it it was it's a more disciplined thing to not have Bosk in this movie, at least in that scene, because it it really should be about Enfys Nest and her really stealing that whole sequence. Yeah, agreed. By the way, I I, I cannot get the idea of Enfys Nest Disney streaming service show out of my head. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> Like, that would be super cool, right? Her group? Yeah. yeah, why not? Her group, like, yeah, I guess. Uh, Cloud Riders, right? But you, you don't want to, like, how close do you have to butt it up with our universe? Like, how, you know, uh, how serendipitous does everything have to be? You know, because there's there's a, there's a finite amount of time that's available for these characters, right? Yeah, well, you'd, you'd have to find the core of the show. Like, it's one thing to say, well, we're going to have Enfys Nest, and she's going to, her and her Cloud Riders are, are going to carry out these random attacks against the Empire. Okay, that makes for some interesting TV, but what is the core of the story? What are we doing with this group? And the I know. The problem that... is that. It... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, finish up. No, I was just going to say the, pro- the problem is that we already have. This is before the Rebels timeline, so why didn't they help? The Rebels crew, like, why didn't we see them? You know what I mean? You have, so yeah, we kind of got that story in Rebels as well. Like, the they are kind of like a splinter cell at one point, but they seem to be like the glue that brings all these splinter cells together. And the true re- forming of the actual rebellion is kind of through them, you know? But the genesis of is kind of Emphy's Nest, which is interesting. Well, in this solo book, uh, I believe, I haven't, I haven't, uh, read or listened to it yet but i believe there's a scene of emphasis nest and saw Gerrera together well i can see that for sure which we came out of that at, we came out of the movie going oh my god the, clearly these two know each other and are working together on some level if they're not like unified as as a group then at, at the very least they're they're speaking to one another to carry out attacks that to me was clear off my first viewing of of the movie but I think in, you could do that. I think you could find something in there with Saw Gerrera, a younger Saw Gerrera, with Enfys Nest doing something. I don't know what, what the core of the story is, but my goodness, I'd love to see it. But only if they find... like I don't want to see it just for the sake of seeing it. They really got to find a, a really good reason why. How about... Uh... Before we move on there, I just thought this was like a sweet little tidbit. Number 33, Carbonbergs. Supposedly these, I guess, pieces of carbonite 
but they are the size of planets smashing into each other. Yeah, we saw it in the movie. Yeah, that's that's but, the uh, the big rocks, planet-sized rocks smashing into each other during the Kessel Run. I didn't I didn't imagine them as planet-sized though. You know what I mean? Like I thought, like okay, they're big, but knowing that they're planet-sized, I'm like, wow. But no, yeah, also knowing that they're yeah, carbonite, right, that's like, pretty neat. He had to slingshot through through a couple of them. They, they are very, very, very large. We'll say small planets, okay? <laughs> I, I like point fifty. Uh, where they talk about Kira's uh, betrayal, the departure was in um, was in at the very beginning. The the DNA of Solo, uh, she was always intended to be more complicated and ambiguous than Han. Uh, but the the way it ends off is that it was always intended uh, just to be the first and second acts of their story. The third act, the resolution of Han and Kira, has yet to be told. Yes, that's a good one. Yep, absolutely. That's. I like that he wrote that. I, I like that he wrote specifically the third act, the resolution of Han and Kira has yet to be told, which yes, there's a resolution. And it, 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 I take that as it will be told. Yes. Yep. Almost like I even saw like a poll. I don't know who posted the poll, but Ron Howard had kind of retweeted it with comment and being like curious to know what you think about a sequel for a solo. I'd love to see it. I'd... Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. And even if it's just the one we've talked about for so long about this loosely based uh, thing where it's not necessarily Solo 2, but, you know, he's in the film or I don't know, just give us more of this timeline with these characters. It's impossible to even he they said it in one of these points. It's impossible that we cannot not use Donald Glover as, as Lando again. Yeah, man, he's he's born to, to... Be that character. That's another thing I thought. Well, maybe they could do a Disney streaming show instead of doing a, a solo sequel. Make make a Han Solo, an Adventures of Han Solo series, and have have that Kira Han Solo relationship play out a little further and and bring it to a close there. I'd be down. Really. Yeah, you get the whole Jabba thing in there. I'm shocked. You got yourself a series. Yeah, there's there's definitely more to that, and I'm I love that. Personally, I was so wrong about Kira. I was afraid that she'd just be this empty character, just like something for Han to to bounce off of. But uh, no, like she was she was she had her own story, her own arc. She had it. She, she's she's way smarter than him. That's for damn sure. And uh, I like that they've they've got big plans for her. You know, it's funny when you think about the movie. Like Han is really the dumbest one of the group. <laughs> she, he's not smarter than Kira. He's not smarter than Lando. He's not smarter than Chewie. I don't know. If you kind of think about it, he gets the better of Beckett because he knows where Beckett's going. Guns him down because he has to. Gets the better of Lando in the long run to get the Falcon. Kira, yeah, no, he was just... He's not smarter than Kira. No, he was a little puppy. And Chewie, Chewie was Han's babysitter for 40 years. <laughs> he really was. I know. That's a good way of putting it. Like Chewie was just pulling Han out of trouble. Yes, I am. Time and time. Every time. 
All right. Are we are we done with this? Yeah, I think we're good. I mean, there's 52 points. We could probably hit all 52 and just talk about them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's uh, move along. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, but first, we're going to grab our little break, and then we're going to come back and tackle a few more questions. Every day, Americans like you are working around the globe in more than 170 countries to shape foreign policy, preserve our freedom, and pursue prosperity for all. They come from different backgrounds and have unique perspectives and skills, but they're bound by a common vision. They are the members of the U.S. Department of State, our nation's preeminent foreign affairs agency. Join them and start an exciting career that can take you anywhere as you protect the interest of Americans everywhere. Visit careers.state.gov and equal opportunity employment. All right, everybody, we are back from our little break, and we are going to start with a question from Rick Villanueva, one of our newest patrons. Uh, so Rick writes, concerning episode 142's chat about the balance of the force, just a thought concerning Matt's question. So Laura Santeca says there can be no balance without the Jedi. What if by the Jedi, he means Luke Skywalker himself? Looking at what Luke did in eight, to me, it seems plausible. What do you guys think? Let's hit this off, Corey. What are you thinking? I think it's a really interesting take, to be honest. It's one of those things in Star Wars where it's not like they haven't not done it before. One of those play on words. So it really boils down to what is he talking about? The Jedi Order as a whole or Luke as the last Jedi? Which, again, I'd never really thought of. Uh, it's it's possible, you know. We might come to learn that come end episode nine, the end. But I still like to kind of believe that it's the long term goal is to restore the natural order of the Jedi and who they used to be and who they can be. Uh, that have a better understanding of what the balance is and how they can play a role within maintaining that moving forward. So I'm kind of hoping Ray is like the key to that as well. And unlocking that old way and creating her own new way into whatever it is. But uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting take. But in the long run, my short-term answer is basically I, I think he is referring to the Order as a whole. But again, like that's – wow. That's, that's a different way of looking at it, that's for sure. That's definitely a deep cut. I, I agree with you, Corey. Like that's, I think I, I never even contemplated that he's looking at – um, the Jedi as opposed to the Jedi. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I'm I'm with you, man. I, I Did feel he that... emphasize the the or the <laughs> Jedi? <laughs> uh, no, it's the Jedi. It was Jedi that was emphasized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what about you, Kyle? The th exactly. I'm, I'm with you guys. The, the thought never even crossed my mind that maybe he was talking about Luke, but that said, what what Rick said is is plausible. Like, if they wanted to do that at Lucasfilm, I'm sure the minds, the powers that be, could make that work and have have it make sense. But I I think have, making Luke be responsible, singularly responsible for the balance of the Force, is kind of tough. Like, if only because like achieving balance, I, I think we kind of see that as the air quotes ultimate goal of force users at least at least jedi and whatever dark side faction they're fighting and and so if it falls to luke then what the hell's the point of ray and kylo you know what i mean like there's so much talk about them being the yin the yin and yang and two sides of the same coin and these two people are 
the ones kind of wrestling uh, between the dark and the light. I think balance will ultimately be their responsibility to achieve in whatever way that takes shape. And so, yeah, so if, if you put it on Luke's shoulders, again, you're giving a legacy character the the biggest thing to do, which undercuts, in my mind, the the two lead characters in this saga. I don't know. Like, I kind of, it can, again, be a play on words. Like, kind of, we didn't necessarily get that, but in a way, we did get it at the same time. Like, Ray leaving Act 2, Act o, whatever, has a greater understanding of the Force. And the way Luke comes back because of that meeting is quintessential in the galaxy's eventual victory, hopefully, you know? Yeah. Like, it's all elusive like that, like, in the sense that, okay, like, yes, we need to find Luke in order to further whatever game is at play here in the Wills of the Force. Like, Luke is the key to the next step, which hopefully is Rey. Well, and I also wonder what role, you know, the ancient Jedi texts will play. Like, I imagine that what's in those books is is pretty pure and, and true to what it means to be a Jedi and all that stuff. And I, I, did you get the sense that Luke read them? I think in the last Jedi, it's, I I think he gives Luke, uh, Yoda kind of a look that says like, he didn't really read them, but I can't, no, I, I can't. kind of, I kind of imagine that he did like the way like Yoda tells him like read them. Have you page turners? They were not like Luke's kind of like, yeah, you're right. No, he thumbed through them like magazines. Like I, he did not read them. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's kind of my take. That, what about the caress? The caress. <laughs> well, I, I think he has reverence for them. Yes, exactly. I think that I believe that. Well, I, I think you read their read them, man. Being there that long. No, I I don't. I really don't think so. I and the way Hamill plays it, he's like, well, like he's yeah, he's he, gonna. Say, I didn't read them all. Like I didn't, you know, whatever. But I mean, I kind of, I've kind of like. Well, I know. I I think he's just kind of trying it. having a hard time, re- like seeing what Yoda's saying, like, Yoda, are you actually saying this? That, like, this may not be the actual way? Because that's kind of the way I interpret it. Like, Yoda's like, yeah, they're, they're kind of books, but those books are, might not necessarily be the whole truth, kind of. Hmm. Or at the same time, he's trying to fool Luke, too, into not going in there. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> Rick's made this a lot more interesting now. Opened up avenues that I really didn't even think of going down before yeah i i still kind of think that lucas played his part and he's you know he's part of the cosmic force now and the only influence now he can have on the outcome is is what else can he pass on to ray and then how does she put that into effect or what influence can maybe can he exert on kylo yep or leia for that matter who knows uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, we, I think we're all three on the same page that, or maybe we're just we're just so blown away by what Rick said that we can't we can't come around to it just yet. It's 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 well, too it's too much. In a way, it's I don't know if you think about it. Like if Ray's the next step to it all, like it's it's one and the same, right? Is it kind of like a loop? Well, a bit. Like by finding like Luke the Jedi, like you're he's gonna be that 
stepping stone for Ray to become the Jedi she needs to be. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's definitely a cool look at it anyhow. It is. I appreciate that, Rick. It's that, that was a really good pull. Definitely. Rick, don't be a stranger, man. Rick's had some uh, good input so far, both in the Facebook group and here on the podcast. So thanks oh, a lot, definitely. Rick. Yep. All right. We will check in with now Larry Tall, who is a, a longtime listener and a first-time writer. And Larry writes, Dear Tumbling Saber crew, listening to episode 142 right now, and you are arguing about how the balance can be found for the end of episode 9. How about this for a theory to chew on? Ray has to stop Kylo. There's no turning back for him. He simply has to die. So we get the epic battle or two in the movie between them that we need to see with the light side, the victor at the end. Then, could it be as simple for Rey as how it all started for her? There was an awakening in her. What if the Force simply leaves her as balance has been restored? She relinquishes, she relinquishes the potential power of the Force and then can be there if and when there is a future rising in the dark or to stop a repeat on the light side. What do you think? I'm a long-time listener in the UK. I love the pod. You guys are ace. Keep it up. From Larry. So Larry, thank you, man. It's it's really great to hear from you. I love hearing from people that we've never heard from before who say, I've been listening for a long time. Welcome to the podcast, Larry. And also, welcome to the Facebook group. Larry joined in uh, over the weekend. And so, Larry, put up your feet, make yourself at home, make a mess, post some things, and uh, yeah, have some fun in there. Indeed. So, Carlos, what are you thinking on, on, on Larry's take here? Uh, I don't know. It's... <laughs> I, I, I kind of wanted to hear what Corey had to say about it first, but <laughs> <laughs> just because uh, we all agreed on the last question, uh, that always sucks. So, um, no, I don't know. I'm not sure if there was an awakening in her. Uh, I, I well, she she says there is. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. She says that. Yeah, but it's it's also her trying to explain what she feels and what she thinks. It's very general. Like, I, I don't think it's an awakening as much as her understanding what she's feeling. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's just something that turned on. Well, yeah. Cause it, it was always there. She said she always felt it, but now it's yeah, awake. Exactly. Yeah. So it was always there. So I don't think it was just, it just popped up out of the blue. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. When I hear that line in the last Jedi, it kind of, captures my interest like you knew it was there but I, I i don't know i can't wrap my hand my head around knowing something <laughs> like that is there but now it's awake <sighs> that's that's kind of a strange one to me i i, I don't know i i kind of see where it can kind of come into play in the sense that when you look at the wills of the force and the way kind of snoke explained it with the light rising to meet the dark and it kind of awakens in her because it's that time. And I think it's really intriguing in the sense that, you know, some people call her a Mary Sue or whatever, just the way that she's able to learn the force so quickly, like lifting rocks. I mean, come on. Like, I, I, I actually lo love that about her. You know, she's super powerful. So that says a, a lot about her role within the, the force. Like she's, I wouldn't say she's almost like a chosen one in a way, like, she she's meant to she's like the last jedi at this point she is the last jedi that's what i love the title of that movie so much it's luke then it's her and 
anyhow. Uh, but it's that's if they I've spoken about it many times on the podcast that you know maybe this is the end of the force if you want true balance within the force once Kylo's gone Ray kind of relinquishes the force and it's kind of no more to be heard from and that's the end of the saga you know it's the end of that close to 100 year time span that Arthur's telling the wills of the force backwards uh, I think that would be a great way to handle it. But in the same regard, I think it kind of negates what they kind of tried to create in this film with Broom Boy in the sense that that reference is a hope for the future, right? Like we're getting the sense that, yes, like the force, if it's awakened or whatever, we know that it could be anyone. You don't need to be like part of this prominent line. Like you can be a stable boy and like the force is still out there and it's rising. So I kind of I think kind of think that would negate that fact. But uh, I, I think it's a really interesting take anyhow. But I, I'd like to think that I hope that Ray stays as powerful as she is as, and is able to teach what she knows kind of to the broom boys of the universe. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think I think what Larry's saying is also plausible. Like, Ray never really wanted any part of the fight. Right. And it's it's only towards the end of, of The Last Jedi, does she seem to be embracing her role as a leader in the fight against the First Order? Like, previous to that, it was just, let me deliver Denial. This, denial, but let me just get this message to Luke, and then maybe he can teach me something. And then, I, I'm, you know, it never seemed like her heart was in the fight. She never really saw, saw herself as part of it. And I, I like Larry's idea of the Force leaving her, except, you know, as I thought about it, like, I inverted it. So what if Rey cuts herself off from the force just like Luke did. Like once once she wins and she says, okay, done. And she severs that kind of tie. But she's always able to tap back into it later. Hashtag not my Ray. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh no, not this. Not again. <laughs> uh, this, this, I think we hit, we hit a nerve, right? Like Matthew gave us this question last week about balance of the force and Look! Look what it's done. We're we're back on it for a second week in a row. But uh, yeah, I you know, uh, Kathleen. It's Kennedy's... an interesting way to to tie it all up, man. If if like if that is the end, like whatever is like we spoke about it last week, the MacGuffin of this story, like Kylo needs to be stopped no matter the cost, kind of you know, and just I don't know, like there there's got to be some kind of deep spiritual force kind of thing here at play here. Like I'm really hoping for that. I hope it comes down to that. And it's very plausible that, like, again, the force kind of dissipates. Well, I mean, the the force won't is, is always there, right? Like, it, it can be balanced and just kind of start slumbering. There's no disturbances in it, which I think maybe is what balance is. Like nobody's pulling it one way or the other, because it if it's in all living things, the force is always there. Yeah, I think it's, it's the, the manipulation. Like the yeah, exactly. It's the manipulation of the of the force to 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 bend things to the will of someone who's not living in balance. That's where all the um, that's where the wills of the force get pissed. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, I like that. We <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy has has hinted last year. She hinted that there are future stories that they're kind of talking about with Ray and Finn and Poe. I don't know if she was just. I don't think she let something slip. I don't think she let something of that magnitude slip. Or if they were, she was just 
talking about some really early uh, plans that they had about the future of Star Wars. So like it plans that are so far out in the future that talking about it in 2017 was sort of a the next thing up from an empty statement. But it, it, to me, it sounds like we're gonna we're gonna get more Ray stories, which means the Force isn't going anywhere. So I, I I don't think she's gonna walk away from it. I don't think it will walk away from her. But it is an interesting idea where it, it's sort of the, a toned down idea of of what Luke did. Like whereas Luke wants the whole thing to just die. Well, maybe you just need somebody with the discipline to step like stay out of the way. Maybe that's all it is. Or, or, you know, park your ego for one second. It's not all about you, Luke. It's, you know, let, let somebody... Let a new Jedi Order rise like with people. He gets that, that. Luke gets that. Does he? Yes. That's like the third lesson, man. Like he, him telling her... Well, the second lesson is him telling her how dogmatic and wrong the last Jedi were. And then the third lesson is him kind of saying like, you are your own person. Like the way you reacted there is what you need to do moving forward. Yeah. It seems like he's, there's two things going on there. Like cause when, you know, when he wanted to burn the whole thing down, he, you know, when he went to that Island to die, it's, I don't know if it's like an ego thing. Like see, he, he blamed him, blames himself, right? And he, he blames the Jedi but really, by the end of it, he realizes it's not really a Jedi problem that the galaxy has had. It's 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 like a personal problem. It's it's the choices people make. It's not necessarily that the, that that the Jedi suck. It's just that some bad choices were made. So when someone like Ray gets a hold of this whole thing, someone who doesn't seem to make bad choices. Yeah, she's so impartial, man. Like, she's so, like, just, like, she's been so alone by herself the whole time. It's like, she's like, yeah, like, like, the, the good is always, like, the obvious answer for her. You know, it's almost like she, I can see her, like, furring her brow and, like, looking at you, like, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> why would you make that decision? Yeah. And that's part, that's part of the thing that fuels the whole Mary Sue debate around Ray is that she's, she, like, she always makes the right choice. She always hits the target. She, doesn't have to put in any work. None of which I really put any, uh, too much stock into. Um, but yeah, anyway, pl- plausible. Definitely plausible because you know what? Every time we, we talk about theories, we go, no, that can't happen. <laughs> Something weird happens. Always. We, we never, it's inevitable. Inevitable. We, we never would have, in our wildest dreams, as you know, leading up to, to The Last Jedi... We were so far off, uh, you know, so far off on what we actually got. Yeah, so, if somebody said, "Oh, yeah, um, a living a living person can project themselves across the galaxy," like you'd be like, "Yeah, okay, never." A year ago, it'd have been like, "Well, that that's huh, I don't know about that. That seems kind of a, a step too far." But then you see Luke do it, and for me, it works. Anyway, it really works. So, who's to say what's coming next? Like, I'm sure there's there's a curveball coming. All right, Larry. Plausible, man. Yeah, and you're aces, bro. <laughs> 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 All 
All right, let's, uh, Corey, we're going to move on. And you are okay. going to take Dave's question. All right, double D. We're definitely we're definitely on the same page here. All right, so so Padme tells Anakin she's pregnant at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. She gives birth by the end of Revenge of the Sith. Safe to say, somewhat prematurely. So Revenge of the Sith covers at least seven months. That's a long time. That one film. So could there be room for this period to be explored in the new Clone Wars? Could there be a second season's worth of story in there further than the one we know of? Interested to hear your answers as always. May the force be with you. David, son of Billy, Lord of the Galactic Lighthouse. Dude, that that would have won the name. That would have won the like our cover Star Wars cover band name. Galactic Lighthouse. That's deep, man. I want to party. I want to party there. <laughs> David, son of David, son of Billy, Lord of the Galactic Lighthouse. That, that's a pretty good title. I, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like Dave's playing off something here and we're just missing it. I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't know. Maybe it's that. But uh, you guys haven't been to the Galactic Lighthouse? Nope. Doesn't surprise me. It's probably <laughs> some 80s dance club in Toronto or something. In the artsy fartsy section of Toronto. David, you hear this? <laughs> anyway, I think that's super dope. But uh, what do you think about this, Kyle? So is it me? Like, so Dave, I'm re- reading Dave's question, saying that Re- Revenge of the Sith covers at least seven months. I never thought that. I never got that no. impression. Like, I thought maybe it was a few days, maybe a couple weeks tops. Like, I, I saw you know, we see Padme in the beginning of the movie, and yeah, she's kind of concealed. But I thought she was very pregnant yep when she tells anakin that she's like she yeah i mean i i felt like she was ready to pop right there when she first tells anakin like you're gonna be a baby a, a daddy tomorrow that's how pregnant i thought she was and of course i know there's twins in there so you you look more pregnant even though you're you know six or seven months in but i never really got the sense that that much time took place over that movie but that's the thing about star wars like it, the time is what it needs to be, what they need it to be. So I, uh, I guess to answer Dave's questions, like uh, when we saw that trailer for the Clone Wars uh, from the that 10th anniversary panel, like we see that shot of Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Rex on that landing platform. Like I, In my mind, that's right before Revenge of the Sith. Like We're going to see, I think we'll see an arc with those three guys and they're at this battle and blah, blah, blah. And, they get called back to Coruscant because Palpatine's abducted. And so that, that takes us up to Revenge of the Sith, somewhere, obviously before Order 66. Um, and then I, we might get some, some exploration either right before Padme tells him that she's pregnant or maybe right after. Because Anakin's got to meet up with Ahsoka so that she, he can assign Rex and a squad of clones to her to go uh, face Maul on Mandalore. I don't know if that's going to happen in that hologram. We see, you know, we see uh, Ahsoka on that, on that hollow table, right? She's like, it's been a long time, master. I don't know if that whole conversation will play out there, but yeah, the order 66 and siege of Mandalore happened kind of concurrently. So uh, I, I do think we'll get some stories in this seventh season of clone wars that explore the time period. Dave's questioning us about, 
but I'm not sure we're going to get a second or an eighth season of of Clone Wars version 2.0. I I really think this is it for the show. But what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think so. I'm on board. I I, I think they said it was going to be for final season. Uh, I think final season means one season. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much on board with that. And I'm also uh, on board with you, Kyle. I think that um, she, uh, Padme kind of actually says it uh, when um, uh, when Anakin gets off the ship. Like, she's kind of hiding, and he goes to see her. And, like, they haven't seen each other for a couple of months. So she's are probably already maybe three months pregnant at least maybe four if not more yeah so uh yeah and with the twins obviously you know uh twins can be born uh quite premature so yeah i don't know if that's a seven month time frame Uh, i would say maybe a three month swing from the beginning of the movie to or from that point to the end of the movie or the climax of the movie, if you want to call it. Oh, maybe a three-month thing. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. But uh, I don't think there's enough room for them to explore that in the Clone Wars. No, I think this this is all about tying things up for, for certain people. Like, leaving Anakin off at Order 66. Like, I, I think we'll see Ahsoka lose Anakin's presence in the Force, as she does in, in the novel. I think we'll see bits of the Ahsoka novel in this in this season, which I can't wait to see. Oh my God, I can't wait to see this stuff. Uh, Corey, wait, wait, your take? Well, I'm kind of right there with Dave. Like, I want and need more. Um, originally, Filoni had planned more than seven seasons. And uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of season, season six, we see that we're coming to an end. Things are coming to a, a head. Yoda set, even says it, man, like, he can foresee that everything's going to be ending soon, like good or bad. Like he, he can't see the outcome, but he knows that the time is nigh. Which kind of alludes to this timeline thing where, again, I'm kind of on the same page as these guys that I, I don't necessarily think it's a seven month period. Like I think it's maybe she could be like five, six months pregnant at this point. Like Anakin could have been gone quite a while, like Carlos had said. So even at that, like, the, in the film, you kind of get the impression that it's almost happening live, you know what I mean? So when you look at it from this angle, either way, I think this season, I don't know how many episodes we're getting. Do you know, Kyle? I thought it was 12. See, that doesn't seem a lot to me. Like, from where we are to get uh, things, to get us resituated again, although it doesn't really take long, because that, that's one of the things I actually love about the Clone Wars, is the narrator that comes on at the beginning. No boo. Like <laughs> just like under siege. Like it's so good. I love that about that show. So whatever, they can get us right back in situated, I guess. But, uh, I would think actually after being this long that they would kind of need to, you know, get the, get our gears lubed up first, you know, like, and the thing is with this show as well, is, is that it's so diverse and so dynamic there's so many stories you can tell. So instead of cramming this whole thing together and I, I get this, is what makes me excited for it, is that Dave Filoni obviously has like a, a story to tell here. And it's just going to be the condensed version of that kind of, which is a bit unfortunate. Cause again, like I love these side tales 
that that kind of go apart from the the main storyline. I think that's it's so unique the the possibility for uh, they're endless kind of there. So, well, what, uh, how many? I don't know what we're expecting. So, like, remember we talked about in the wait. And I guess in the lead up to the second half of Rebels season four, and we were all like, "Oh my god, look at all, are they going to fit in Krennic? Oh my god, what about Tarkin? Are they going to bring back the Emperor? All these guys, Admiral Akbar, are they going to put him in?" And we had this whole list of potential cameos that we expected to see for whatever reason. Uh, Guerrera, like, man, we had a long list of of people we wanted to see, and we got none of them, like almost zeros across the board, except for like. You know, Palpatine. Like, so, I, I just think there's there's so much potential here, man. Like, again, like, we're really going to have to cram this this story together. And, again, it leads me to believe that there is a big story to tell. But 12 episodes, it's like you're going to get resituated. And it's just going to, like, happen like, like the domino effect. You know, it's just going to be fast and furious, almost like the last six episodes of Rebels. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be, I think, like, resolution. He's going to... This is his his chance. Like if he doesn't take it, he's a he's a fool. Like he's got to tie tie up the Clone Wars period for these characters. Like if he doesn't adequately do that, in, you know, expecting that he was going to get an eighth season, well, that, that's silly. And at, at that point, if 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 you're upset about uh, well, the Clone Wars was was taken away prematurely, well, no, it wasn't. You you got twelve episodes to do that. So I I, I don't know. I, I they've got to. Uh, what kind of arcs can we get here? Well, think of this one. What's the first thing Vader says to Ahsoka in Twilight of the Apprentice? I don't remember. The Apprentice lives. So at no, this that, point, it's almost that, like he's... He, he, that's sooner, isn't it? Yeah, that's sooner. It's when he's in the cockpit of uh, his TIE fighter and she's in the ghost. Ooh, yeah, you're right. That's way before Twilight of the Apprentice. Yeah, you're right. Well, still, like, just the fact that he says that kind of indicates in a way that he's under the assumption she, whatever battle she takes part in, that she probably got nixed or something, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like like I was saying before, like, in the Ahsoka novel, she sort of catches wind of something going that that had happened with the Jedi and she sort of reaches out through the force and she can't feel Anakin. She can't feel Obi-Wan. She's f- totally freaked out. So you know, from, from Anakin or Vader's perspective, does he reach out and try to feel for Ahsoka's presence in the force? And will we see that? Mm-hmm. So there, there is potential here to see Darth Vader in the Clone Wars, which that's pretty cool. Yeah, that could be neat. That is actually uh, really cool because I'm pretty convinced we're going to see the other side of Order 66, like the aftermath of it where Ahsoka kind of runs away again and and goes underground. So there, that, there, that's a lot of story to tell, man, in my opinion. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think they could spend a good amount of time with Ahsoka and Rex dealing with the siege of Mandalore. I think they could do that. They could spend four, five, six episodes doing that. And at the end it's it's Rex and Ahsoka saying goodbye. And that's yeah, that, that could be how oh. that could be how it ends. Uh, I'm thinking the same thing, man. Like the whole Wolf Gregor thing too. 
Like they they got to be in this. Then then again, we've we've heard Filoni comment about um, adapting something to the screen. Like you know how we all thought that we would get to see Battle of Scarif, but told from the rebels' perspective. And then Dave said, "No, we're not. Why would we do that? That that story has already been told. We've seen that." So we, you know, since we have snippets of Siege of Mandalore from the Ahsoka novel, maybe he feels the same way. Like, maybe he doesn't want to go and just put, uh, like, put something on screen that already exists. I feel like that's very possible, too. That's it. Like you said, like, there's two fronts going on, right? We've got this whole Clone War thing, Siege of Mandalore, like, 12 episodes to wrap it all up, like... Well, anyway. what was really left dangling? I, I, I can't remember. Like, the, for me, the end of the Clone Wars series is when Ahsoka walks away. And then, of course, I, I know yeah. that there's a lost yeah. missions, but those are really side stories. And I don't think we're going to get a lot of side stories in season seven. Well, the way it ends in the lost missions is the the arc with the Yoda be like learning how to become a forest ghost. And yeah, I don't expect a lot of that kind of thing in this season, which is unfortunate. Like I'd like at least a come on, those there's so many good bounty hunter uh, side stories within the Clone Wars that like I'd love to get a little more Boba aging. Boba is like his character really shines in the Clone Wars. Like you you want to know why Boba is who he is and all this stuff. Like he he's in it quite often. And it's pretty interesting to see him grow. And then you got Cad Bane as well. Like, come on, man. Well, if, they, if they want to do the Cad Bane Boba Fett thing, I'm game for that. That's I'm cool. That that will work. But there's got to be sort of like a through line through the 12 episodes. Like, I don't know if they're going to say, well, here's this battle. Sort of the last battle that we'll see Obi-Wan and Anakin fight together as as brothers in, in the Clone Wars. And then wrap that up, bring it to Coruscant, leave Anakin with with Padme and have him uh, assign Rex to Ahsoka. And that's it for Anakin. We, we stop there because really every step he takes is charted after that. And Obi-Wan, he, same thing. We kind of know what he does. It's, it's Grievous and it's then uh, taken on Anakin on Mustafar. So that ends. The, the, the biggest thing, obviously, is Ahsoka. Yeah, those helmets too, painted liquor. Yeah, that's that becomes like Rex and and whatever group that he that they have. Like that's the big know. thing. For me, I was uh, the the thing is that you know that um, Anakin says it, uh, in in Revenge of the Sith that um, if Grievous hadn't abducted the Chancellor, then they he doesn't know how long they would have been. In the outer rim, so I think the last episode of the Clone War should have the news of Grievous uh, kidnapping, quote unquote, uh, Palpatine, and them having to go back to the the center of the of the galaxy. And that's the way I look at it. That no, that is that is valid because they they did exactly that with the. Uh... Tartakovsky Clone Wars, like the the closing shot is more or less the opening shot of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah that, that's such a good tie-in. Now, 
does well, would Filoni again? Would he do that? Because he that would basically be a, a copy of what of something Hell that's no. already been that's, done. So that's not if we've learned anything. That's definitely not what he does. No, but what Carlos is saying makes sense. Like we, it would make some 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 logical sense to have this movie kind of lead us directly into Revenge of the Sith. But if you do that, you don't you don't get Siege of Mandalore, and I I think it's all but confirmed we're going to get that. Because Siege of Mandalore doesn't happen until Order 66, unless they find a way to tamper with the timeline a little bit. But I, there's there's certain things you can't get away from. No, I don't think they could. I don't think they could tamper with it. I think it's quite. Uh... Yeah, it's pretty airtight, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe the last we see of Anakin in the Clone Wars is. No, if that's the case, if they move out to the fact that he's become Vader, like. We have to see Vader in this, man, like trying to learn how to walk and stuff. <laughs> I'm trying. Well, you can almost you can almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, shit. no, no, don't help me. I have to do this for myself. <laughs> uh, oh. No, if you, you you can almost think of this revival of the Clone Wars as a big exercise in fan service. People have been asking for years to finish the Clone Wars, save the Clone Wars, and now they're doing it. So it's it's quite possible that they will try to incorporate as much fan-pleasing as possible while still telling the stories that need to be told. Yeah, like, Filoni had a, a long-term goal, like I said originally. Like, for sure he had his eyes set on the prize at the end of the tunnel, man. And this is a way of, like you said, like, this chance to kind of get to tell that story, but in a very much condensed form. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna have to really, yeah, exactly, boil it down and condense it. But yeah, I, I guess you, I could see one side arc, Corey, which is the Boba Fett Cad Bane story. I could see them setting aside. You know, you could almost split, maybe split the season into like three different, like mini arcs, arcs. Well, like. You know, spend three, four episodes with Anakin and Obi-Wan on whatever planet they're on at in the trailer. And then cut away. And then at go At least give them a two parter. Well, yeah, or you know, you cut away to to Cad Bane and Boba for a while. And then you reconvene on on I guess at that point you move into Siege of Mandalore, and maybe that takes you six episodes to wrap up. Like it's it's a gigantic thing. Cause I, 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 this is really the fan of me talking, but I really, I, I'm convinced that Ahsoka is going to be the biggest factor of, of this eighth season. I agree. They have to do like, that's the main character moving forward. Like with rebels, this like, I feel like it really has to be her. But anyway, did, did we say, have we strayed way too far <laughs> from Dave's no. question? I no, I think, the question was, do we get to see stories told within the Revenge of the Sith timeline? And I I guess technically, yes, because Siege of Mandalore is that. But with regards to Anakin and Obi-Wan, I don't think so. I think their stories are already too charted for us to really dive in and out with with any good reason. Which maybe opens the door for, for side stories with, with lesser known characters. And I just want to say also, like, I'm I'm so again on the same boat as Dave in that I've watched the Clone Wars back to back, man. Like, I'm 
moving on to season four and I just finished watching the whole thing and each time I watch it, I'm loving it more and more, man. Like honestly, like it's such a well done show from the animation to the storyline to, to everything. Like it's incredible. It is. It really, really is. I'm appreciating it more and more. And I, that's one of my big regrets is not having, I could see this. I think it played on Saturday nights too, man. Like it would have been the perfect, like Saturday night, like comfort food, like chilling out, like on the, uh, I don't know. I, I'm just, I really regret not watching it live as it came out, but yeah, super well done. I really appreciate that show. And Filoni's going to nail this thing. I think. I I have no doubt. All right, Dave, I hope that answers your question. Lord of the Galactic Lighthouse. (laughs) I'll see you there, Dave. Oh, shit. All right, so that... uh, Carlos, did you have anything else to add? (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, No, I think we kicked that can pretty good. That uh, That was nice. Yeah, that can has been dented and crushed pretty hard. <laughs> crushed. <sighs> Alrighty, so I think we, we, we've got a couple more questions in the queue. We've got Joe Novak with a question and Neil Lowry with a question. We are going to move those over to next week as it's getting pretty late here. And we, we're just ahead of another long work week. So we will punt those over to next week. We will give them some extra TLC. And uh, that we'll call episode 143 a wrap right here. So thanks, everybody. Uh, Larry, Rick, and Dave, thank you all for your questions. Joe and Neil, like we said, we'll get to you guys next week. And uh, that, that's it, guys. So, uh, again, that was uh, I had a lot of fun. Like we, I like these episodes with, with open-ended questions like that because then you get, with, <laughs> you get what we uh, just gave, which is 15 minutes of meandering. It was beautiful. A lot of fun. All right, guys, um, that's it. So thank you guys, and thanks to our powerful friend Rob Wade for sharing this episode on Emotionally14.com. And uh, Carlos, you you were on episode 136 with Rob of TSW? You are correct, sir. Now that, if you guys heard that, to me, that is sort of, that episode was was Crazy Train Podcast meets Star Wars. That's, I take that as a compliment. That's, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I totally mean it as a compliment because Crazy Train is is fun. It's it's hilarious. It's random, and I, I felt like TSW one thirty six was very much that. So, uh, go check out Crazy Train while you uh, check out emotionally fourteen dot com because it is it is very much uh, worth the time. And also, and if with, you like my sultry tones, then listen to one thirty six of TSW. That's right. And uh, also worth the time is the Star Wars Commonwealth Network over at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and also on iTunes, where we have 10 awesome podcasts now to fill your ear holes with Star Wars and nerdy goodness. So go check that out. Everybody is just doing such great work. We're in a very, very dry period for good Star Wars news, but everybody is putting their creative thinking caps on and doing some great, great podcasting. So go check that out. And also, if you want to... uh, if you want to be in on the Black Series 6-inch Mimban Stormtrooper that we're giving out at the end of this month, or maybe in the first week of October, haven't figured that part out yet, you want to become a powerful friend. And you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. If you enjoy our shows, there's a lot more podcast content behind the wall at Patreon, and also you get access to this contest. 
I'm looking at this stormtrooper right here over my shoulder, the one oh, that will be going shut up. out. Shut up. It is <laughs> some kind of sweet looking stormtrooper. And one of you guys, one of the powerful friends will get it in a few weeks' time. Cape Stormtrooper. Cape Stormtrooper. <laughs> so anyway, be sure be sure to check out our Patreon page. Sign up and become a powerful friend and uh, you won't regret it. You'll get a whole lot of extra content for your dollar. And yeah, that's you can tell I, I don't have that one yet. You don't. There's a couple things I have that you don't. And I know I know you want. Uh yeah. It's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> what a baby. All right. So Corey, Carlos, guys, where can we find you two on the uh, the old Twitter machine? Well, you both know. You can find me at Chop Rules with a Z. Nice. <laughs> what? I just said nice. Chop yeah, Rules eh? with a Z. Yeah. Uh, so you guys can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at C Candido Music. You could uh, find me on Facebook uh, at Carlos Candido. Um, you can uh, join my Patreon campaign like uh, Michelle did, who Michelle's not here uh, at uh, tediously underscore brief. Um, she uh, joined uh, the Patreon uh, this week. Uh, so we're at 10 patrons. We're going to have a second draw. We're going to have two prizes drawn for September. Um, so maybe you want to get in on that. Go to uh, patreon.com slash Carlos creates. I've got a video waiting for me. That's correct. So I'll be checking that out tomorrow. And uh, yeah, so that is about all folks. I've had a lot of fun this week. Uh, so again, Larry, Rick, Dave, Joe, Neil, and of course, Kigo with input with the uh, the uh, John Kazan stuff. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And as Carlos said, Michelle, you can follow her at tediously underscore brief on the Instagram and on Twitter. And also don't forget her traveling book nerds Instagram account. So go check her out. Lots of cool stuff going on there if you like literature and candles and things of that nature. Um, so that's it. You find me at Tumbling Saber on Facebook, on Twitter, and also on Instagram. And again, the invite is open for everybody. If you're listening to this and you are not part of our Facebook group, our closed Facebook group, come on in. It's a lot of fun in there. The, the group is just getting busier and busier. Lots of stuff to talk about and lots of lots of jokes. People love posting jokes up in there and it gets pretty silly. So come have a good time. Get away from the headaches and fandom and come hang out with us. And that'll do for episode 143. We hope you enjoyed it. And we'll catch up with everybody again real soon. So have a great week and we'll talk soon. Struggle for the answers. Questions frighten me. Circles getting wider. It's harder just to see.